Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Timothy Chim. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation Certified Instructor, Allstate Agency owner in Nanuet, Rockland County, New York, since 1987. And I am a survivor of the cruel and harsh Pol Pot regime in Cambodia. Just a reminder, this year is the 40th years of my new life after escaping from Pol Pot's death row in 1975. You can reach me at 845-642-3232 for your insurance needs in New York, or you can go to www.allstateagencies.com slash 021070. Now, our special guest for today's show is one of the youngest writers I've ever known. His name is Niar Suthar. Niar is an award-winning writer covering inspirational stories around the world. Believe it or not, he stumbled upon writing completely by accident after moving to New York City for the very first time. While in the Big Apple, Niar noticed that there were thousands of people missing out on the greatness of everyday life due to the very fast-paced lifestyles they lived. As a result of his observations, he had a big idea to inspire people around the world, around the globe, by writing a book, which was strange because he... Niar always hated reading books. Why would he ever write one? With the support of his family and friends, though, Niar ended up debuting his first international book, When No Matter What, with Balboa Press in June 2013. Since then, his book has been featured in Washington Square News, U.S. News and World Report, The Huffington Post, and several podcasts. Niar is now working on a new book, The Corridor of Uncertainty, a heartwarming narrative about Afghanistan's cricket team, which will be released soon in late 2015. Niar, again, welcome to the show. Before getting into some specific questions and discussions about your work, if you don't mind, please tell us a little bit about personal backgrounds and family background. Niar, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, Tim, for having me on the show. And uh, so, yeah, currently I'm a college student at Cornell University majoring in economics. My family is uh, in living in Pennsylvania right now. My parents are from India. They actually moved here in the 1980s. So I was born here in America. I'm a first-generation uh, Indian living in America. And so I grew up in Pennsylvania, and I came to Cornell University in 
fall of 2013. I'm currently a junior here, so in my third year at Cornell, and really liking it and kind of stumbled upon writing completely by accident, but it's something I really enjoy to do right now. Great. Very moving indeed, Niara. Thank you. Now, um, let me ask you this first question. In your first book, When No Matter What, by the way, I love the title and and the cover too. Now, you talk about the information imbalance in the world, negative information versus positive information, I supposed, and uh, and the media. The media greatly overweighs positive information in the world. Can you enlighten our listeners? What do you mean? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment on the title of the book. I, it definitely took some time to come up with that title. But in terms of what I mean by the information imbalance, uh, so there's a theory that I kind of thought about while I was writing this book, and it kind of made me realize how much of an imbalance there is in the information an, an average person takes on a daily basis. So after kind of analyzing the people that I've been around on a daily basis, I realized that it's kind of split into four different types of information that we usually take in, four broad types of information. So the first 30% of the information we take in is kind of entertainment information, which is movies, shows, random gossip that we have on a daily basis. The next 30% is kind of Google information, so rules, education, what you do at work, that, that, that sort of thing. And then the next 30% to make up 90% total is negative media information that you encounter on a daily basis. So that's the stuff you see on the news, the murders, robberies, um, what's going on in Baltimore right now, for, for example. So that's 90% of what you see on a daily basis. And the last 10% then that you see is what is what I talk about, is the positive information, which isn't a lot. And that's the good news, the motivation, the the exciting stuff that you hear on a daily basis. That's kind of like the feel-good stories. And so you can see that 10% of positive information compared to the 90% of negative media information, Google information, entertainment information, there's a big imbalance. And so what I talk about in the book is that there, there, there are tons of successful people that what they have figured out is that they have to kind of balance the positive information to kind of to kind of uh, counterbalance with the negative information. So you have to kind of balance both informations out. And there's an example of a pharmaceutical executive, uh, Wendy Kay, who actually every morning she practices this. She she looks at positive, positive news and she writes down what she's grateful for every morning. And as a result of that, she's able to start her day off on a better, on a better note. And so it's just those small things that you see successful people really trying to balance the positive information with with the other types of information that really makes a difference. Wow. And that is not just the general public, right? Business people. What about students? And you are a student there. What, what do you think about them? What kind of information that they are either given or they receive every day? Is it more negative or positive or somewhat? What about students? Yeah, so I would say that students is around the same because, I mean, again, they're also 30% entertainment information. They, again, are watching movies, shows, and engaging in this gossip. I mean, around school, 
and then Google information again for them rather than the work life that's replaced with education that they're taking in, in which, again, if, if they're on one-third of their day where they're taking in education, random facts and information, and then, again, negative media information is probably a little bit less for students, but again, they're still watching media, uh, looking at news, so I would say about 25% negative media information for students. But again, you can still see that the positive information, the room left for that, is still very little compared to how much other information they're taking in. And so, in general, on average, most people aren't taking in enough positive information, which is which is definitely a problem. This is just media, right? What about some activities that that the people do every day, such as you know video games and other uh, sources of uh, of uh, negative information? Yeah, exactly. And so that 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 would fall under the entertainment information, which is what I was talking about earlier. Um, uh-huh. so video games, movies, shows—that's all included in that entertainment information, which is a separate category. And the gossip from friends, neighbors, and all of that, right? Exactly. That, that's all included in the entertainment information. Movies, shows, video games, gossip, all of that entertainment information. I mean, if you think about it, what do you gain out of all that? Not much. How do you defend yourself against these negative informations from uh, friends and relatives and neighbors and all of that? So there are a lot of different things that you can do. Again, I mentioned that one executive who kind of writes down positive uh, positive news stories that she finds throughout the day, and also she kind of writes down what she's thankful for. But I think really what you have to learn to do is kind of filter out the news that you see in the media. I mean, it's very important to know what's going on in the world for sure, but at the same time, you really have to filter out some of the negative information and try to focus a little bit more on reading some positive stories And again, there's other things that a lot of people do, such as exercise and just wellness techniques in general in the morning that that can really just make a difference. And it's it's just being aware of this information balance is really the first step that that you have to be aware of. Mm, Very good. Uh, And successful people lean towards more positive information, so you you said. Now, um, how... How important is it for for the people who have strong, say, strong desire to succeed, to realize what they are doing and and why they are doing something in order to achieve success? Yeah, I think it's very important for for these people to realize why they're doing what they're doing. And that's something that I've written about as well. There's a famous author, uh, his name was Simon Sinek, you might have heard of him before, and basically he came up with a with a with a rule called the golden circle and essentially what that golden circle states is that most positive m- most people in general they know exactly what they what they have to do how they do it but not many people actually know why and why they do what they do and so that is a motivating factor on a lot of on a lot of reasons why when when we start doing a project or when we're at work that's that's the mo- reason why a lot of people really don't like what they do because they don't realize the reason behind why they're doing it. And so, again, if you're looking at successful people, you see that the first thing they define before they even start a project or before they even take a job is the motivating factor or why they want to take that project or job on. Because, again, in the in the end, if you don't know why you're even doing what you're doing, then there's no point and you're not going to get any satisfaction out of it. So not 
just what they are doing, but why they are doing is important. Yes, and it's a very it's a very simple concept, but you'd be surprised at how many people you know if you if you ask them why they're doing their job, they might they, there's some hesitation because they don't really know why, and so that's something that you have to think about if if you're starting a new job, if you're taking on a startup idea, if you're a student, anything, but it's something that you really have to think about, and it's something that you should know and be able to answer immediately if somebody asks you why you're doing what you're doing. Hmm. Do you know why you're doing what you're doing? <laughs> yes. Uh, Personally? Something I have thought about, and the reason I write is because, again, I really enjoy inspiring people and just helping them kind of realize the full potential that they can get through. And so, I mean, my my writing in general, if it, if it, if it helps even five or ten people, I know it's been a success. And so that's why I, why I write, just to help people and being on shows like this, being able to help people in their lives, which which I really think makes an impact on me. What about your schoolmate, classmate, or friends? Um, how many of them think the same ways as you do? I think it's definitely a majority of the proportion don't think the same way I do. But, I mean, again, that is the goal of why I write and why why I come on these shows is to kind of get people to kind of just realize this other way of thinking. And so I would say a majority of people don't think the way I do, especially in school, because they're kind of more focused on on their schoolwork and other activities that they kind of get lost in that. But I think in general, this is this is why, what the point of my writing is to kind of help people realize that there's this other way of thinking that they might not have thought about before. What do you think the percentage of that? Ninety five percent, ninety six, ninety nine, or what? <laughs> that they don't know what they're doing. Mm, I would say it's it's definitely a it's probably about half. I would say about fifty percent. I wouldn't say it's like everybody, but I would say most of most people, a decent amount of people that I know, definitely do know what they're doing. But I would say some of them, probably about half, definitely don't know the reason behind why they're doing what they're doing. Not bad, not bad. Now, um, Nihar, I have read many books, including one of the world best-selling books. Um, if you uh, hear about Think and Grow Rich book by Dr. Napoleon Hill, and I have learned from his book that success and riches mostly begins with an idea. And the important, um, the important thing about an idea can be, you know, I. I I, if I remember correctly, I think was uh, was Ralph Waldo Emerson expressed his uh, estimate of an idea. Thus, one single idea may have greater weight than the labor of all the men, animals, and engines for a century. Now, what do you think? Uh, what is the importance of coming up with with fresh idea like you do, new ideas and and knowing where you go and what you want to do, yeah, what do you I think? think? I think it's extremely important to always be coming up with new ideas. And if you look at some of the thought leaders today, they're they're constantly they're constantly coming up with new ideas. I mean, that's that's the point. It's kind of just always trying to challenge yourself up with new ideas. And the one way I think you can really kind of kind of teach yourself to come up with new ideas. There's not really a way. 
but one thing one thing I think you can do is to always kind of question what's around you. And so always be curious, right? Because that is one way where if you understand how things work and if you understand why they're that way, then, then that's how you come up with new ideas. And that's when you see a lot of successful people. If you look at the the CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk, right? And he came he came up with an electric car that's unlike any other car. And the reason he did that is because he was always questioning cars and always questioning kind of why why they were like that. And so I think it's very important to always question why something is the way it is. Be curious, and that's why you'll come up with new ideas. And not only that, but take a couple take a couple of minutes every day, kind of unplug from technology go on a walk or do something that kind of just unplugs yourself altogether because it kind of gives your mind some time to just get away from everything and just kind of think. And so, again, there are tons of successful people that I can, that that I've talked to that really incorporate some type of exercise or some type of walk and get, getting away from just technology that, that, that lets them think for, for some time. And that I think is extremely important to be successful and to come up with fresh ideas. What do you do personally to to get ideas? So what I do is that near where I live, so I'm currently at Cornell, which is in Ithaca, New York, and so near where I live, there's this bridge. It's called it's called the Stewart Avenue Bridge, and uh-huh. I, usually there, I usually go there late at night, actually, just kind of get away from technology and everything that's on my mind. I usually walk there at night and kind of just gaze out and just stay there for 10 minutes. And I found in a lot of my writing when I'm facing writer's block or anything of that sort where I just can't come up with what I want to write next, I found that it kind of helps clear my mind and definitely gives me fresh ideas. And so I've personally experienced how how that can help a lot, just getting away from technology and being curious and just kind of taking time to unplug. And it's definitely helped me come up with fresh ideas of my own for my writing. Wow, wonderful. I've never thought about walking <laughs> on the bridge and got away from everything, meaning the Internet and all of that thing, just to uh, be quiet uh, and think and look at the sky and look at <laughs> what do you do. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Wow. Now, um Many people in the whole world seem to love the concept of me-ism. And you know what I mean. Me, 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 me. Me first, and if things don't benefit me, I just won't make a move. What do you think about this, and and why putting others first will help you be more successful? Yeah, definitely. So there's one very favorite quote that I have that I've written about in my book, uh, Win No Matter What, and it's really stuck with me, I think, throughout most of my life. But it was it was said by, by an Indian saint, his name was Pramukh Swami Maharaj. He's actually still alive today. But what he said was that in the joy of others lies our own. And it's a very simple quote, but it really means a lot. So if you think about it from a business perspective or any any perspective really, but if 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 you're a manager of a company, let's say, and you're really caring for your employees, right? I mean, employees obviously make up mm-hmm. your entire business, and so it's very important as an employee, a manager, any anything that you are really to kind of to kind of take into account the health of your own employees and your own coworkers, 
and kind of make sure that they're happy too because if your if your employees or your coworkers are happy then in the end they're going to do a good job for you and they're going to they're going to really enjoy working for you they're going to enjoy working with you and so it's very important that that you really take the time to kind of make sure that you're caring for everybody else around you and really basically just imbibing that quote in your life that in the joy of others lies our own and that's that's one thing that I've realized that many successful leaders they're they're really caring for their employees, giving them a lot of benefits, and basically giving them time off. And if you look at Google, for example, that company, um, Google is a company that lets their employees have a certain amount of time every day to kind of work on their own ideas. Like they have their own work, but at the same time they have a certain amount of time allotted every day where they can kind of take some time just experiment with their own ideas that they have. And that's something that their employees really enjoy, and they they know that. So that's one reason why Google has been very successful. Wow, that's the concept of servicing others to enrich them first, and then in the end you will be rich. Is that the concept? Yeah, it's similar to that, yes. All right. Okay, so let me... Let me uh, ask you one last question, the question about goal setting. I think you have that in your book as well, right? Yeah. First, why why is it important to have a goal and how does one do it? Yeah, so I think goals are extremely important, especially it kind of goes along with the, with the third point that I had mentioned about why you're doing what you're doing. Goals really kind of make you think about where you want to be at a certain amount of time because without goals, you don't really know if you're progressing in your career path, in your education, whatever whatever you might want to be progressing in. Goals are one one kind of metric that you can kind of look at to see how you've done and where you have to go still. So one thing that I always suggest to a lot of people is to kind of write your goals down and kind of put them on your wall or put them anywhere around you because the more you look at it, the more ingrained that goal becomes in your mind. And the more the more ingrained it becomes, the more likely that you'll work hard and the more likely that that goal will come true. So I think it's very important to kind of realize and kind of set goals from the beginning so that way you know where you want to go and, and you can kind of look back and see how much progress you've made. And every day you can kind of take a look at take a look at how much closer you're getting to that goal. And that's one way to kind of stay on track about what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. Now, uh, does goal have to be, like, humble and realistic? Yeah, I think I think your goals definitely should be realistic. That's very, very important because, obviously, if you're setting goals that are completely ridiculous that, that you know you can't accomplish and there's no point of even having those goals. But I think it's extremely important that your goals are very specific and measurable and realistic because if, if you're setting goals that are just kind of out of, out of bounds for you and you know that then there's no point of even setting that goal. Do you think that college students like yourself do have any goals of their own? Yeah. A lot of people I've seen definitely do do have goals for five to ten years down the road and some people aren't really sure. Some people are kind of just like I'll go with the flow and see where I end up. And some people know exactly what they want to do from from the beginning, so it's 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 important to set goals. And I think people that have set goals kind of can see what progress they've made. And so, 
um, I would say, again, it's probably about 75 to 25. 75% of people probably do have goals and 25% probably don't. Hmm. So the 25% have to uh, really read your book. <laughs> they have to read your book. All right. Um, now it comes to your last words to our listeners, Nyar. Where can they get a hold of your book, number one? Number two is how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I would say the easiest way to get in touch with me and look for my book is at my website. It's www.niharsutar, my first and last name. It's spelled N-I-H-A-R-S-U-T-H-A-R.com. So it's www.niharsutar.com. And there you can find uh, the writing that I've done. The book is available there as well. And you can also contact me through that website as well. There's a contact form. So definitely encourage people to get in touch and check out some of the work that I've, that I've done in the past. Wonderful. I forgot that you uh, were working on the second book. Now, before you go, um, tell us a little bit about that new book. Where are you in the book now? You're almost done or you're completing? You're, you're, you're publishing sometimes uh, this year, right? So uh, can you tell us a bit about the book? Yeah, uh, The Corridor of Uncertainty is the title of the second book. And right now I'm currently in the final edits. So it should be coming out probably around fall 2015. And that mm-hmm. book is it's a little different from the first one. It's not so much self-help, but there are several lessons that you can really incorporate in your life. And so the books about the Afghanistan cricket team, a lot of people don't know that Afghanistan has a cricket team. And so the main moral of the story is kind of having to look beyond stereotypes because when most people think about Afghanistan, that area in general, they mostly think about war and violence and kind of terrorism. And so this Afghanistan cricket team, is it was a team that was established in early 2000. And when they first started the team, it was one of the worst teams in the world. And in in a span of seven to eight years, it, it's gone to the top 14. And actually last month, they, they played in the World Cup for the first time in the country's history. And what you saw was that when the team kind of qualified for the World Cup, there were over 100,000 people that celebrated the win. And so basically the story is, is that cricket is a sport that's bringing together a lot of the country of Afghanistan. And it kind of shows that regardless of the stereotypes people might have, there's there's basically a positive story everywhere. And so that you should never judge a book by its cover, essentially, because in Afghanistan there's this cricket team that's that's a very positive light in in an area where not, where not a lot of people think there's like a lot of positive information. Wonderful. Why are you interested in the Afghan team so it was rather just, than uh, American, rather than Indian or any other countries? Why why Afghanistan? It was just a, a story that I stumbled upon that that really had a great lesson. And yeah, I, I really do support American and Indian teams, of course, but I, I've never <laughs> crossed a story like this. And this is just a story that kind of breaks a lot of social norms because... Again, like I was saying, when you think about that era, you don't think about that many positive things. So it's just something that's kind of breaking the boundaries a little bit. So that's why I've decided to write it. Wow. 
Interesting. I don't even know that Afghan has a cricket team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so yeah. that that is the entire story. Most people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what else do they do <laughs> besides uh, besides uh, uh, fighting and all that? Very good. Interesting. Very good, Niar. Is there anything else you want to say before we uh, leave our listeners? I believe that's it. I mean, as far as the points I talked about, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think it would be great if if all the listeners here kind of try to incorporate those those lessons in their life. Um, so the first lesson I talked about was kind of trying to balance out the positive information versus the negative information that people have in their life. And the second lesson was realizing why why you're doing something. So I think that's extremely important. The third lesson was taking time away from technology and always being curious to make sure you're always coming up with fresh new ideas. The fourth lesson was uh, putting others before you. So the quote that I said by Pramukh Sami, in the drill of others lies, you, lies our own. I think that's, again, another lesson. And the last lesson was always setting goals and being realistic about them. So any of those lessons, any of those five lessons that the listeners can incorporate here today, I think is, would be amazing. I think that they would be able to see a difference in their lives. Four points of lesson. Very good, very good. So, okay, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you, Niar, for your time, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in to listen to this special program on Journey to Success Radio. And again, I am Timothy Chim, filling in for the amazing Tom Too Tall Cunningham. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Niar. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.